For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Dave DeFore, who covers the NBA for The Athletic, about where the NBA stands and each conference stands at the start of NBA All-Star Weekend. The Warriors, 1-4 in their final five games as they head into All-Star Weekend. However, some teams got much better at the deadline. What happens with Philadelphia? What happens with Brooklyn? And will teams like Denver and the LA Clippers get back their injured stars in Jamal Murray and Kawhi Leonard? All things we can talk about with Dave DeFore, who joins me next. Today is Friday, February 18th. Pleasure to welcome back one of our favorite guys, Dave DeFore. He covers the NBA for The Athletic. Dave, what's going on, man? Uh, tons to talk about. We actually have good NBA storylines officially after the uh, trade deadline. What's up with you, dude? How are you? Uh, not much, man. It's the all-star break. <laughs> so I didn't go to Cleveland because why, why would you want to go to bad weather when you've got some free time? And uh, then... There's now bad weather at my house, so I should have just gone to Cleveland, I think, maybe. Could be working. At least you get some hoops, yeah, if you were in Cleveland. Yeah. What do you think about that? It's kind of a, I don't want to say peculiar. When I think like NBA All-Star Weekend, like, yeah, okay, Dallas, they've done it down in Florida, they do it in Vegas, you do it in LA, like, those are all good, big-time cities to do it in. I hear Cleveland, and I'm like, I, I know they, they've changed it from the Quicken Loans Arena or whatever it is now, something Fieldhouse, but I'm like, it doesn't scream All-Star Weekend to me. I get that, and, and you know, Cleveland... Probably not a party town, although you can find a party pretty much anywhere, right? Like, I mean, I, I partied in Des Moines, and Des Moines is fantastic. I will say I like the idea of rewarding, you know, cities that have teams with the All-Star game. You know, it, it is a fan's game, although how affordable is the weekend for the average fan? I don't know. A lot of people think that, oh, maybe they should just do it in Vegas. They do Summer League in Vegas already. It's easy. You've got a good arena there. The nightlife is not an issue. You've got plenty of hotel space, things like that. I don't know. I'm open to whatever. Uh, to me, it's it's an exhibition, so who cares? But also, if it's a fan game, I don't mind it going to Cleveland and Indiana and places like that. You know, it's a, it is a reward. You make a good point about that. That it's sort of like baseball's All Star Game does that. You bounce around to different cities. You reward different teams, different fan bases. That's cool. I guess I'm thinking more along the lines. Maybe I'm wrapped up in football in the Super Bowl, where it can only be played in indoor places or in warm cities. I will say though, if you have a franchise that doesn't sell tickets, I don't have a problem if the NBA says, "Oh, well, I don't want to send the All Star Game there." Reward the fans that show up. I mean, uh, this this sound makes me sound like very like money hungry here, but I mean, if if it's a fan game, send it to the fans that show up. It's a good point. I'd love to get one back in. Uh, I guess now in San Francisco. I remember when they had it here, the Jam Session and the All Star Weekend in Oakland when I was a kid. And I guess that was probably two thousand. It was right after they renovated the arena in Oakland. That was a uh, a cool weekend to have guys out here. Kobe's out there, and Jason Richardson went to the All Star Game a couple of years later and won a few dunk contests. So I enjoy All Star Weekend. Should be a lot of fun this year out in Cleveland. What I meant to you when I started though, talking about storylines, is that the NBA is such a good drama league, right? We love the storylines. The guys play the games and they talk about each other. They go on Twitter, they go back and forth. This year, I felt like we were set up for some good storylines, and then the storylines weren't that fun. The Ben Simmons story wasn't a fun one to follow. He just wasn't playing. James Harden was just unhappy. Kyrie wasn't there. It was, you know, COVID-driven. Then you end up with the Lakers. Could have been a whole bunch of drama, but they just kind of suck. And then Russell Westbrook sitting in the fourth quarter. Then the trade goes down, where you get Ben Simmons to the Nets. You get uh, Seth Curry to the Nets. Drummond, those were all great moves. And I think Harden to the 76ers makes for great theater. What do you think of the storylines as we stand right now. I think we agree that everything was sort of a bummer. And now there, it feels like there's way more hope 
in the league. And I would prefer, like, I, I operate in that space. I love the idea that Nets fans are now pretty hopeful about the team that they've got, right? They've been down in the dumps. And if you look at all the drama surrounding that team, and even Sixers fans are kind of pumped for some reason to get James Harden. I, you know, he's a good player, great player <laughs> when when he, you know, is at his peak. I don't know if he's at his peak anymore. So I do think that now you've got this built-in rivalry for the Eastern Conference, like in two of the top four teams. That's big. So that's a huge addition for you and me that gets to talk about this stuff, right? Like we get to follow this. Not only are they different teams completely now, and we get to follow the evolution of these teams. They're going to play on March 10th. Ben Simmons, I'm thinking, is going to play in that game. That's a big deal. I, I'm with you. So, yeah, I think the storylines have improved, certainly. I'm looking forward to the basketball being played by these guys. And I think that this season, while the storylines maybe have been a bummer, mostly. like I mean, the Russell Westbrook stuff has just been sad to me because he's a tornado. And, and I, I just love to watch that guy throughout his career, good and bad. And now it's just mostly bad. So that's been sad for me too. But the basketball has been fantastic this season. And even with the COVID stuff and guys in and out of the lineup and, you know, I mean, some extra hundred people or whatever that got employed this year to help the NBA power through COVID season, the basketball has been so enjoyable for me. The, the officiating is so much better. And it's just more fun. So I will trade fun basketball for Bummer and boring storylines <laughs> any damn day of the week. So, yes, the storylines got better. Don't mess up my basketball, NBA. I would tend to agree with you on all of that, that the basketball has been quality. And I think part of it is, and I heard a conversation with Daryl Morey the other day talking about this, that we had the NBA maybe now more than ever is wide open. I know last year kind of felt this way too, but the last couple of seasons in general, for you know, for most of my life, it's felt like when the NBA starts, when the season starts, you've got like four to five teams you can say pretty confidently, those teams or some combination of those are going to the conference final or will be in the finals. This year, really, and I know the Warriors are, are trying to battle their way back to prominence, the only known commodity in my mind is kind of the, the Milwaukee Bucks who won it last year. They've they've returned a lot of the same players. They're just as talented as they were. Giannis is an MVP candidate again. I think part of the NBA being completely wide open this year is what's made watching these games so enjoyable. I agree with that. And even Milwaukee is dealing with the Brook Lopez back Which issue. is a big one. For people who are watching the Bucks, yeah. that's a big issue for them. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix is, to me, they look like the class of the league, right? And they've also been one of the healthiest teams in the league. Their two best players barely missed any time, although – Chris Paul hurt his hand, and and we'll see. You know, he's probably not going to miss any time after. Trying to fight that ref, there was all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basketball players should never throw punches. Um, you know, your hands are your money makers. So yeah, I, I do think um, you're right. It is kind of wide open. And if you're Daryl Morey, and you think James Harden gets you a better chance at the title, yeah, you make that push. And I, I do think that we saw that from a from a few teams. But it is super wide open. I'm actually a little bit shocked that we didn't see an over-the-top move come out of nowhere. You know, like a Damian Lillard throw, you know, a Herschel Walker-style trade at Damian Lillard or something like that because of how open this season is. Now, Lillard obviously is out for the rest of the year probably, but I do think that this is the year that if you were going to put all your chips on the table, if you were going to ask your guys to potentially play through an injury, in the play, like this is probably the year because next year – Everybody's going to be healthier, and the older guys are going to be older. 
Giannis is not going to be older. Giannis is still in his prime. I mean, the guy's 27 years old. So the window is starting to close for some of these, you know, 33, 34. I mean, Steph Curry getting up there a little bit. So this is the year, maybe next year, like this summer could wind up being pretty wild from a trade and player movement standpoint. But yeah, you got to gotta go all in when you get these opportunities, man. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. You bring up a good point about uh, about going all in with players who or, or with teams that have superstars that are injured. Do, do you anticipate a team like the Clippers, who have played pretty good, I think. I, I'm liking the Clippers the more I see them lately. They gave the Warriors problems last week and uh, almost pulled out a win against the Suns the other night. The Clippers, if they go far enough or if they get competitive enough, do you see a Kawhi working his way back through an injury? Or even the Denver Nuggets with the Jamal Murrays, and he's probably got more at stake just because of his age and, and what could happen contract-wise for him down the road. But both of those teams intrigue me if those two guys return. Yeah, and I think Jamal's timeline is – He's got time. I actually think Jamal is probably going to wind up making it back. This is not reporting. This is I'm conjecture. And for Kawhi, that's a different cat altogether. That guy is, I mean, he's built different. I, I respect to Kawhi. Living the American dream, okay? Not even hating whatsoever. You should absolutely rehab on company time. If he's ready to go, Kawhi Leonard is going to play when he's ready. I think that we can see that. Now, he's not going to play if he's at all unready. But on the other side of the coin... This guy's a killer, man. You don't play the way he plays if you're not. So if he can go and if Paul George can go, the Clippers are trouble for everybody. Everybody. They got better at the deadline big time. Now, Norm Powell, broken foot, probably not going to be able to help him this year. But I, I think Robert Covington has been a big piece for them. You already see his team help defense has been spectacular for them. And he's a willing shooter. He's another guy that they needed. So if they add those two guys to that team that's just – Plucky doesn't quite describe it. You know, it almost feels like an insult to call them plucky because they're good. They're dangerous is what they're I think good. they are. Yeah, I think they're dangerous. Yeah. They're, they're a veteran team that if you run into them in a seven-game series, even if they take you six, it's not going to be a comfortable six. They're tough as hell. And tough basketball teams just, they hang around. And any time you can hang around in the NBA, if you can get inside five minutes, five-point lead or less, you got a shot. And the Clippers have been pretty good at that. You know, they don't get blown out a ton. Let me ask you about uh, about DeMar DeRozan, who's on an insane run right now. Dude, what do you go, 35 points for seven straight games? I saw the only note. It's kind of like whenever you hear in baseball that a, a guy hasn't done this since Babe Ruth, like we heard that was Shohei Otani a lot last year. Last guy to do that was Wilt Chamberlain, seven straight, 35 or more. He did it twice, which is unbelievable. And shooting over 50% That's what it is. Field. It's the field goal percentage Dude, that does it. He had a 40-point game, and he did not attempt a single three. <laughs> what year is this? Yeah. What year is it? Yeah. It's unbelievable. But I guess the question is, they're at the top of the East. Should he be getting more MVP consideration? I know the basketball reference analytic sort of breaks that down, and it's just sort of a, a template for which guys are at the top of the league. But, I mean, obviously John Morant's there, Giannis is there, Embiid is there, Jokic is there. But to me, I mean, the, the Bulls aren't doing what they're doing without DeMar DeRozan. Especially after losing Lonzo and Caruso. So they don't have the defense to fall back on like they had to start the season. The MVP stuff is tricky. Like, I actually think DeMar is mentioned in MVP conversations. I talk about him in MVP conversations. Now, is he at the top? No. It's Jokic. It's Embiid. It's Giannis. Like, right now. Steph was there, but Steph had, you know, that rough month, month and a half, whatever it was. And so he's sort of in that next tier, where I think DeRozan is. Where Luka might be here soon with, with what he's been doing, you know? I think that he's getting the proper amount of buzz, if that makes sense. And he's been spectacular, especially on offense. But 
he's not the the boat lifter, the boat raiser that you get from Jokic and Embiid and Giannis. I mean, Giannis is a defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, he might be the defense player of the year and the MVP. Only guys to do that and a finals MVP, Hakeem. Is that right? Michael Jordan. Oh, duh. Michael Jordan, defensive player of the year. There's something that Hakeem did. Maybe it's just Jordan and Hakeem would be the only two. Yeah, all-star game. MVP. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, you yeah. start qualifying things. I was just trying to pull yeah, it out. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't prep. You just try Let's to pull out. Let's make up some a- new awards yeah. that we can give guys. And we can be like, he's the first guy to win that. You yeah, know, since uh, the – Jushin Liger yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Since Bob Cousy played. One more thought from you here on uh, on what's going on with the uh, the Eastern Conference, and specifically the Nets and the, the 76ers. I know that, that the, the media thing about who wins the trade, it's a big statement to debate that thing. I look at this trade and I go, effectively for the 76ers, you didn't have Ben Simmons. You gave up a player that wasn't playing at all to get back James Harden. So we can look at Harden and go, yeah, 22 a game. He's second in the league in assists, I think, right now behind Chris Paul. But really, you gave up Seth Curry to go get James Harden. That was a huge piece for them. I mean, he had 20 points the other night for the Nets and that comeback over the Knicks. He has been really, really good this year. And he's getting better, it seems like, as he's gotten older. What do you make of that trade? And and how do you think both of those pieces fit in? I'm actually really intrigued by the defense and the passing of Ben Simmons alongside Kyrie and KD when he's back. Yeah, I'm not going to be the guy that says uh, you don't trade Seth Curry and Andre Drummond for James Harden. I'm not going to be that guy. At the same time, <laughs> having said that, yeah. <laughs> the stuff the stuff that Seth Curry does and the stuff that Andre Drummond allows you to do with him coming off the bench and just being so competent because he is a borderline decent starter, I think, in the NBA still. For what he does, he's fine. He's going to do a weird Euro step. He's going to throw a Awful behind the back pass. He's going to grab 14 rebounds and get you 12 points. I, like, I'll take it. And I think he's been already in a couple of games pretty decent for, for Brooklyn. What Seth Curry does, especially what he was doing for Embiid, his relocation, his movement, ball movement, moving without the ball, James Harden's not going to do any of that. So now it's going to be Tyrese Maxey, who's not the shooter that Seth Curry Nobody's the shooter Seth Curry is. I don't know if it's going to be as good. We're going to find out. For Brooklyn, I think they got better. Ben Simmons solved so many problems for them, and we're going to see playoff lineups with Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant as the two bigs. And I'm sorry, man, that's so much flexibility and good rim protection, and then they're going to be a buzzsaw on offense with him and Kyrie. The Nets got a lot better as long as all their pieces can get some time together. Joe Harris being a big question mark that they really could use. I mean, if they had Joe Harris, it'd be them in Milwaukee to come out of the East. Missing Joe Harris, that's a big deal because they're going to have to fill that that spacing somehow. But I'm with you. I think that the transition ability of Ben Simmons unlocks something new for Brooklyn that they just didn't have. So, yeah, they got better, a lot better. Well, And the way he can move in transition, the way he defends, the way he passes, I just felt with James Harden and Kyrie, you had too many guys, and not that they're the same player, but James Harden's not a great defender. Kyrie's not. Standing around not doing That's anything. what I mean. You, you get too many just... guys who just, you know, they can blow pie and get to the cup, but it's not it's not the same thing. Uh, by the way, on the Andre Drummond thing, I felt like Drummond was probably the best backup Embiid's ever had. You lost the least when, when, when Embiid went to the bench. Also, I feel like he gets a bad rap now, because and this happens in the NBA all the time, because he didn't live up to the overpaid contract that he got. Was it with Detroit last time around? Whoever it Detroit. was signed him. But he didn't live up to that deal and, and save the city of Detroit. So now he's viewed at as like a bench asset. He's a really good bench player. It's like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, exactly. Great point. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. Only Wiggins is better. Okay. <laughs> let, let me just be clear there. As long as we can agree it should probably be Carl Anthony Towns starting the All-Star game instead of Wiggins. 
I don't know, man. No? Right? It's a fan game. <laughs> fan game. Like, I can't care about yeah. it because it's a fan Fair game, enough. right? Like, so. As a fan, so I, I do. Think that, you know, as a fan, I care about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> also, man, I don't know, man. Andrew Wiggins is cool. He's gonna th- he's gonna have an awesome dunk in that game. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, good for him. Man. The guy is and good for and him. Good for him, dude. He's worked his ass and off. And good so, for him. Yeah, good for yeah. good for Wiggins, man. Uh, Dave, it's always fun when we get a chance to catch up, man. Uh, enjoy the the break. Enjoy your weekend off, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road, probably closer to playoff time. Absolutely. Take care, man. Great stuff from Dave DeFord. You can hear him on the Daily Ding, of course, on the Athletic Podcast Network, and he does a fantastic job all season long covering the NBA for the Athletic. Should be a fun one this weekend. You'll see some Warriors out at All-Star Weekend. Obviously, Andrew Wiggins, who we just talked about. Steph Curry will be out there. You'll get a little Jonathan Kaminga in the Rising Stars Challenge. Also, JTA, Juan Toscano-Anderson, going to compete in that dunk contest. So a bunch of uh, Warriors uh, stepping foot in Cleveland this weekend. We can pay our respects by watching NBA All-Star Weekend and uh, and all these events all weekend long should be a lot of fun. Thanks to Dave. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll try to get into a little bit of baseball. Some San Francisco Giants baseball. We'll talk a little bit more prospects and about the start of the season. Even some roster debates about what the Giants need to be doing to the roster when the lockout is over. The deficiencies that maybe they still have in the starting rotation. All things we can talk about with Grant Brisby, who's going to join us on Monday. Until then, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.